Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everyone. How you doing? So, uh, does it sound okay? I was using a different microphone today. Microphone oh, you sound fine. You sound fine? Good, good, good. good. Um, so, before we start, and Russ is going to be here shortly. I got a lot of stuff to talk to. I want to bring out one little basic thing that um that I believe is true beyond a shadow of a doubt, Mike, and that is the most underrated arcade game from the '80s. Okay, so I know we don't talk. We don't. Talk, you know, we talk about. You know, I have an '80s arcade love. I have 32 machines now. Okay. Um, it's my. It's, and then I have meme. I have like memes that are that, that include every game ever made. So I have every game ever made probably in here. And right. um, the last four nights. I have not been able to sleep. I've been up from like two to four in the morning playing one game. Um, and it's like, I think it is maybe the most underrated game because, you know, it's not like I'm a Pac-Man freak. I love that. I know see, you're I Pac-Man, Pac-Man. See, the, the thing was, everybody knows Pac-Man was patterns. If you remembered the pattern, you could go to like yeah. board 40. And I like, I could never remember the pattern because it bored me. It just put me to sleep. So it was tough after like the, uh, I mean, the pattern was so rewarding for a person like me. I don't know why. Um, I, I just like that. There's something about it. I, I, the first book I ever read was the, was the Pac-Man, how to beat Pac-Man. It, I had like the first 12 screens, like up to like. Was, this, was, was chapter two of that book, the uh, how, how to do the Rubik's Cube? How to never date anyone, basically. Was the second one. <laughs> yeah. How to do the Rubik's Cube is another. You're, is the second you're, one you're married and I'm not. So I know, but it was, it took a while. It was like, <laughs> I was 30, but, um, but yeah, but so Pac-Man is not your game. Pac-Man no. is my, is I, I used to obsess over being the high score keeper of the Pac-Man at eighth and boardwalk at ocean city, New Jersey, every summer. That was, I had to have that. And I would have people when they would go there, I'm like, go to the eighth and boardwalk and tell me if the score is still 234,362. I remember this still to the day. And I, and it, if they was, yes, it is. I'm like, great. If they said, no, it isn't. I would get in the car and I would drive. <laughs> Okay, so uh, you're asking me to guess what I yeah think. yeah what do you think what do you think are some of the least um uh, the, the biggest underrated games well I, I and I think you know this because I think you had it mm-hmm. um when when I was visiting at your place I, I've always been a fan of Dig Dug and that wasn't a big one yeah uh, yeah Dig Dug was um you know which is basically you're d- digging basically under the earth under like rocks and you have these little yep. things chasing you. I mean, that was always like, I always, I always liked Dig Dug a lot. Definitely um, was underrated too. Cause it wasn't like, it wasn't in that big world of like asteroids, centipedes. Yeah, Space Invaders or Asteroids or Galaga. Right. Those are all big games. Um, centipede I put in there too. Centipede. See, I, Centipede, uh, I was a big Missile Command fan. Missile um, Command is funny because I, Missile Command, I agree. When Missile Command came out, I was huge into Missile Command. Um, but playing it now. It's not. It does not a very interesting game anymore. I don't know why. No, well, no, nothing is interesting. Compared no, no, no. It's not true. That's actually not true. There are. Yeah, I love, I love asteroids, but um, asteroids is still great. Deluxe asteroids. Did you get into that? Because I started playing that the other day a little bit. Yeah. Um, probably about you're probably like you know old school asteroids only type of guy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember what oh. they did for deluxe asteroids? Remember how they made it deluxe? 
um, they had a they had a colored screen that went over top of the regular black and white screen. So it wasn't really a color thing. It was just had to be color in certain areas because I'm an, I'm an OG asteroids mother. Um, you know, uh, uh, remember Galaxian was the was the yep. runner or the, the precursor for Galaga. Yeah, go, uh, funky in the chat. Gorf. I loved Gorf. Gorf was cool because it was like a combination of a bunch of different games. It had like it was Galaga. It had it had uh, it had um, Space Invaders on it, and then had these other levels too. I recently got one of the better games from the late '80s, early '90s, um, Tron. But oh uh, yeah, I remember Tron. the Tron. Tron is a boring game to play. It just and, looks amazing. Yeah, it's well, okay. It's a boring game, which was it, which came from a boring movie. Yeah. <laughs> So it was like, you know, it, I played it and I'm like, what the hell is going on? I mean, yeah. um, and by the way, Timothy, it, you've never heard of Dig Dug. And no, the game that I remember was Pong. So that's, that, that, that's how old I am. Well, I recently um, got a four player stand up Pong game, which is really awesome because it's like it's like a it's like a table and you can stand around the table and you can play each other. You can play straight up Pong. You can play Breakout on it. I, I just, I just Warlords. Remember Warlords at all? Do you remember Warlords? Uh, Warlords was like a pong type thing where you had your at a corner to defend. You basically defended a corner, and the so there were four of the uh, like um, balls would bash all around. You had to keep it from breaking through into your corner. That was Warlords. That's fun. That's a pong. Um, type thing. I can't remember the name of the game, but it was a it was a helicopter game where you would strafe. You would strafe people, or you you'd have to you had to pick up people. Yes. Off yes. Um, oh man, it's not Zaxxon, which I know you like too. Uh, Xavius is the one I like. Xavius, that's it. Xavius, there you go, yeah. Xavius, that's a great game. Um, Well, my favorite all-time games um, are Pac-Man, Qbert, which I love. Mm -hmm. Qbert's very rewarding, um, very fun to play. I mean, I have Qbert. I also have um, Battlezone, which is a fun game, which was the game that you actually had, like, a thing you held like this, and you looked through it, and it was all – that's really cool. Um. I like Donkey Kong, Carrie. That's a good one. Uh, Donkey Kong, I never liked because it's so friggin' hard. It's a it's a very hard game to play. Donkey Kong. How about a, here's another one, Frogger. I loved Frogger. Frogger, basic and simple. Great, you know, great Seinfeld episode too. Um, but um, the uh, it, but Donkey Kong Junior is my wife's favorite game, and she's fantastic at it. That is actually way better than Donkey Kong, I think. Um, but but well, there's a great there's a great movie about the, called The King of Kong. If you ever get a chance to watch, you've seen that movie King where no. It's called King of Kong, and it's basically it basically profiles a guy who like loses his job in the '80s and decides that he's going to buy a Donkey Kong machine and become the best Donkey Kong player in the world, and wow. lives out of his garage and goes to the Donkey Kong Championships and how crooked it was and how political it was. It's a crazy story. It's a it's bizarre, but this was all the '80s. There were like there were like two or three guys in the '80s who like ruled who had the best high scores in like most of the games. They were just incredible gamers. I never never heard about them at the time personally. I was a kid, but. Now, when I when I were and this was around eighty five, I started working at the at the movie theaters, and they had they had video games, and of course, when you worked at the movie theaters and they had video games, um, the ushers or the managers uh, emptied out the quarters and yeah. go in and press the free plays. So you know, <laughs> nice. after after all all my work was done, the manager would give me the keys when I was a, an usher, and I could go in and put like 60, 60 plays and play Super Mario Brothers two. 
Um, which the first Mario Brothers blue. The second one was pretty good. Yeah, the Super Mario Brothers two in the arcade was good. Mario Mario Brothers on this Genesis on, on Nintendo was amazing, but but the um there, there was oh, even better the, uh, the the free play thing. I a friend of mine, Dave Katz, who was also an ice hockey goalie um, before I was an ice hockey goalie when I couldn't afford to be an ice hockey goalie when I was a street hockey goalie, and I would get all of his old equipment. Dave Katz is also I think was watches the show, so he might be out there listening. He's a great guy. Anyway. Dave is one of my oldest friends. He taught me this trick of how to get a game for a penny um, from Asteroids and Space Invaders. There was a there was a there was a flaw in the game where if you went and it, it, I, I tried this the other day because I was in an arcade and I saw it and it still works. It's crazy. So there, if you reach into the coin returns underneath the coin return thing where the coins would come out, you grab a penny, you shove it, you throw it up as fast as you can, like just try to flick it up. Then there's a because there's little slits in there. You can flick it between these two slits. You can get it up there as fast as you can. You can trigger that little that little lever in there, and get which which would be triggered when a quarter would fall down, um, and get yourself a game for a penny. And I I, I mastered it. So I would no. go with I would go with you had to be careful because you, you know, if anyone was looking in the arcade, if any of the people who were working the arcades saw you do it. But I got I got to be a master at doing it incredibly quickly, and I, well, I got really good on asteroids. We, we busted we busted a kid who basically had a quarter. Uh, and super, super glued. Oh, no. Yeah, super glued a, a like a met like a piece of metal, like a very thin okay. metal, like the, about about the width of like a cassette tape, the tape, like maybe an eighth uh. of an inch. Taped, taped it to the to the quarter, dropped it on the slot, and then pulled the quarter back. Nice. <laughs> the, the, I heard, I've heard of that, but I know I, didn't th- I thought it was a myth. I didn't know it actually Ooh, it could be done. I saw it. That's it. pretty crazy. Um, punch out, Funky says in the chat room. Uh, like, oh, oh, oh yeah, well, yes. And my problem with Punch Out is I barely got past uh, Piston Hurricane. Ball, yeah. ball, <laughs> ball, ball, ball. You know, with his <laughs> fat head. That's his impressive, head. Mike. I like that. These are good names to pull out. No, there was there was Glass Joe. Glass Joe, who um, my um, my son went as, as one Halloween. That's how weird we are around here. Glass Joe. What is Glass Joe? The worst character in Punch Out. It was Glass Joe, Piston yep. Hurricane, and then Bald Bull. And Bald Bull always say, "Come on, come on!" And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you, like you, uh, Bill Zito. Um, but um, yeah. Anyway, Blades of Steel. Okay, a big debate on that game for me. I'm 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 a hat trick fan, which was like a one on one. Um, and then Nintendo hockey just ice hockey the first nintendo ice hockey with a big guy little guy small guy best two hockey games in my world but uh blades of steel very overrated i always felt i felt like blades of steel if it wasn't for like the got the glass or whatever it was you know or hit or whatever it was the hit the both things but anyway i'll just a bit to shorten this make a long story short if that's all possible i'm willing to say one thing yeah. I, I can't remember the name of the game but it was it was in the uh the famous uh swingers movie with uh uh, uh, John Favreau and Vince yeah. Vaughn. Somebody will know it in the in the chat. And then the best thing, the best thing about that game was NHL '94. That was yeah. Okay, was the fact that Jeremy Roenick could yeah. make Wayne Gretzky's head bleed. That was great. Uh, he, well, I, I, that that was that was the one year Nintendo and NHL '94. And I recently did a hockey buzz about two years right before the pandemic. Sponsored a tournament at an at a casino um, in Pennsylvania here. Where a guy a guy had an NHL '94 tournament for charity, where people could come and play that game, and he had like a couple big screens with NHL '94 and Hockey Buzz sponsored it. And um, I went down and I played Capneo played because we Capneo and I used we were literally those characters playing that game. 
uh, from that movie. That was that was Eric and I back then. And oh, what, um, was, what, what was the game? That it was NHL '94. It was called. Um, and no, it was the, on the game that you thought was the most under. The, oh, the most underrated. Yeah, the most underrated game of all time. And this is like, there's no question about it in my mind. Is Robotron? Um, do you ever remember? Do you remember playing Robotron at all? Anyone in the no, chat room should remember it. Yeah. The concept of Robotron was you were this little, you were this guy in the middle, and all these robots were coming from all all different sides. You could you and you um, you had two. It was, there were no buttons, just two joysticks. One joystick moved you. The other joystick fired in any direction. So that was that, that's all you did, and it was such a crazy fun game to play. Yeah, I'm um, looking. I'm looking at a picture of it. I I don't remember. Remember it? It looks sort of like a Galaga, Gal Galaxian type of game. No, it's it's not because it's more like you're a, you're a, you're a, you're a guy running around, um, and these things are coming at you from all angles, and uh, you have to uh, you have to shoot them, and you can shoot in any you can run in any direction and shoot in any other direction. So you have because you have the two joysticks. The control of it is just so much fun to play, and it's it's very much like I was a quarterback in in, in you know when I was growing up in high school and the idea of it's basically a, you're basically scrambling the whole time like you're a scrambling quarterback trying to get away from these guys and it really reminds me of like fran tarkington so anyway yeah um, yeah sorry johnny red we'll talk hockey in a second i was just gonna say one of my favorite games that was basically a ripoff of galaxian or galaga was something called moon cresta it was uh oh yes moon cresta is good that's a good one three-stage rocket and of course you'd get all three stages and yep. then your rocket was so damn slow that you'd get picked off but there are um, no, there's no, there's no shortage of, of games that tried to rip off Space Invaders. By the way, Mooncrest is one of them better. No, but there are so many Phoenix. Remember Phoenix? There was a bunch of different. I liked, ones. I liked Phoenix. I liked Phoenix I liked too. Phoenix. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we'll talk hockey guys. But you know, come on, we're just having a little bit of fun here. <laughs> right. Anyway, here we go. Let's get into the hockey news. All the hockey news is fit to be talked about. And Russ will be joining us in just a little bit. Hello, hockey world. It's Thursday, January twentieth, two thousand and twenty-two. I'm Michael Agello, and today is not Inauguration Day. No. And I'm Eklund, and you're watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world now with less baseball talk. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> just, just for today. Well, there's no baseball talk because there's no baseball. So right, right, right. I, I want to secretly want to do, a, want to do an arcade podcast, obviously, just like, a, just, like we want, just like we want to do a prog rock podcast. Anyway, um, these are my passions. But let's get into a couple things and uh, <laughs> uh, where to start? Where would where should we start? Oh, today? Uh, Johnny Goudreau. Yeah, let's start with Johnny Goudreau because you know that I'm in the middle of doing the putting the rumor chart together now, and it's 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 that means I'm you know talking to every source I've ever met, every person I've ever known, and 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 Goudreau is a guy who I know I have connections to Goudreau. Like he he lives in the area. He grew up near me, near where I grew up, and. Um, that was like uh, there was a really there was a strong feeling, of course, that as this season began. And Flamester, our buddy in the chat room, will tell you that Gaudreau, this was it for him. He was this was the final season he was going to play in Calgary for sure, no questions about it. His numbers have been declining in the last couple two years; had really kind of like bottomed out a little bit to the point where he had like forty nine points in fifty in fifty eight games or whatever last year, which was low for him. Um. Or maybe even less than that. So, but anyway, his numbers have gone down considerably, and but now all of a sudden, with the common the combination of the flat cap and teams not having a lot of money, and there being some other players that maybe maybe a slightly more appealing to people out there that in the free agent market, um, and when it comes to UFAs, there's serious talk about Goudreau um, re-upping in Calgary. Um, he's having an unbelievable year. I mean, let's just face the fact that he is 
you know, last year I predicted, if you remember one of my crazy wacky predictions last year was that Gaudreau would have this major bounce back season. And as, as is normal with me, I'm a year ahead, which is like something that if you go look at my predictions, I tend to be Sorokin. I tend to be a year ahead on things. So Gaudreau this year is having the year I thought he'd have last year, you know, and next year, you know, um, Maggi Piani will have the year I thought he would have this year, but um, that's the reality. So just, you might as well just go to the back with it. Gaudreau is, 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 is playing well. He's, he's, but the big, and he's fitting perfectly Sutter's system is, is right. just a perfect fit in there with what it, with what's going on with it. He's getting his, his ice time, his, him and Lindholm are just ridiculous. That combination has been, you know, they're two, they're both in the top 15 scorers in the NHL. Um, and Gaudreau is number 10 right now in plus minus in the NHL at plus 20 now. And he's not like, you know, you never think of Johnny Gaudreau as a defensive, you know, stalwart. So he's having a year, you know, to stop all years and Calgary is as well. And it looks now to me, you know, when I talk to people that, you know, Gaudreau is going to return to, to Calgary. And I just, that, I just think that is a bit surprising. And is it smart for Calgary to do this? I mean, is this a case of a guy playing for a contract or do we, what do we trust here? Well, I, I mean, he's at that age where, I mean, he's 28 now. Yeah. And the thing you have to be scared about is the back end of the deal. I mean, if, if you're going to go eight, then you're going to, you know, it's going to be basically for a lower cap hit that you stretch yeah. out the, the AAV over eight years. Now, I don't think they're going to do that because do you really want to sign him through age 37? Yeah. Um, they don't have a lot of cap space and they have – Matthew Kachuk coming up now. Does that mean that you know? Because we've heard the rumors about Kachuk wanting out of Calgary. Does that mean you know? I don't know if they're based in fact or not. But um, if you sign Goudreau, are you going to be able to sign Kachuk? He's now Kachuk's having almost as good a year. He's averaging a point per game. Yeah, uh, but he's twenty three years old and Goudreau's twenty. They, they, see, that's the thing. You may have to decide between the two. I don't see a great deal of. Yeah. space that you can create here looking at the roster i mean you know guys like tyler pitlick and trevor lewis uh zadorov and erica branson are ufa so you're not going to open up a real really a bunch of cap space so yeah. I, I don't know i mean uh, yeah Kachuk's i think um i mean i think that i do think that there is absolutely something to matthew kachuk wanting out of calgary i think that is the case um i think hey russ hey you missed our exciting arcade discussion, but we'll talk to you about it later. Um, the uh, so there, there's something about um, I do think there's something about Goudreau, um, Kachuk wanting out of Calgary. I talked to people who, you know, obviously grew up in the St. Louis area, um, and I've talked to sources of mine in the St. Louis area who say that Kachuk, when he, you know, he still that's where he still goes back when he's on, you know, and that he just really wants to be a St. Louis Blue, that that is something he matters to him, not necessarily as much. Brady Kachuk would love it too, but not nearly as much as it seems to want, it seems as Matthew wants to be there. Like Matthew Kachuk really wants to be a Blue. And we're talking about the fact that Goudreau is looking like he could be, be re-upped in Calgary. And if that's the case, you know, like Mike said, does that mean Kachuk could possibly be moved? You know? Um, I could see it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, how good is Matthew Kachuk really like where is he is he well, absolutely he's 20 25 goals a year he's right. a guy who is hard to play against yeah he's a guy that's an a-hole on the ice and you know again it's like it's easy to throw around the term well you know just toughness he's more than that he's he's, he's the toughness, but a guy he's who can also forward. score he's a power forward yeah 
I mean, I think yeah. there would be like 10, 12 teams that would kill themselves to get a guy like Matthew Kachuk. I mean, definitely. Uh, now, I, I no, he's I, a rarity for sure, but he's not, he's not a top line power forward. To me, he's a second. No, oh, no he's, he's not. I, he's not. a second liner. Yeah, I mean, I think, I he's think a, his plays dropped a little. It's, it's he's not. Brady, he's also not Brady Kachuk, right? Like he's not. No, he's not Brady as far as skill goes. He's yeah. a okay. He's a second liner on a Stanley Cup winner. He's a really well. That's where he'd be going, right? So yeah, yeah. But, but okay, say for say for example, we're talking Calgary and St. Louis, and Matthew Kachuk says, "I want to go to the Blues." Um, he's a restricted free agent, so they'll qualify him, so that you know he can't go offer sheet wise. Um, if you're talking about a trade. Then, you know, what are you talking about? Are you talking about a Robert Thomas or a Cairo or somebody like that? Because that's that's probably I mean, it could be Perin- it could be Perinovich and a lower yeah. level prospect. It could be Perinovich, you know, maybe they want Hofer as a backup if they're gonna someday move Vladar, who knows? Because Vladar is, I think, only a two-year deal. So yeah. maybe they go Hofer, maybe they go uh Perinovich and a first. Yeah, yeah, that I can see that. I and I think yeah, I mean it does feel weird to me that Gaudreau is only 28 like it, it really feels to me like he is <laughs> yeah, 30 I, I mean at least 30 at least like it's it's weird like you know and when I was going to see he's 28 you know he's I mean this is this is his big contract to sign right like this is it this is like the big yes. and it feels like he's already had that contract didn't he I mean, he already signed a really big contract I thought well, um, it was like for like five million this one yeah so yeah so that. but but when he signed it was quite a while ago too right so that was but yeah. six years ago so anyway he um yeah, I do, you know, I do wonder a little bit because he is just playing better in a contract year. And as much as I, you know, know, I mean, I know Johnny Gaudreau. I have coached, I, and my friend friend of mine, Dan Wallace, coached him, and I've, I've hung out with him and, and talked to him about it. And, you know, so we, I know, I, I think Gaudreau is an amazing player. I just, I'm, I don't know. I just don't trust guys when they have this kind of year right now, like in, in this sort of situation sometimes. I mean, listen, I, again, people have made way too much about some of these off years for, for yeah. Goudreau. Like the guy's a really good player. He's a, yeah. he's a top 30, 35 player in the league. He is. Yeah, no, I think so too. I mean, he's definitely one of the fastest players. He's one of the most explosive players. He is, um, you know, at times, you know, just, my, one of my memories of the World Cup of Hockey with him on that him on that crazy team on the crazy under twenty you know under twenty three team I guess it was at the time or when was on that team or was yeah he was on that team yeah he was definitely on the team right Goudreau was on that team for Which the World team? Cup of Hockey Goudreau was on the yes. uh, North American World whatever the under twenty three yeah. team uh yeah I think he was actually he was he was just right on the edge of it but he was definitely there yes. and um I mean he was he, on that team when you saw him playing with other fast players you realize he's still fast even with fast players he's just he does things oh, he's still fast he does things at a at a great at a great speed you know um and and just really is was a real game changer in that series at times he hasn't really games. lost anything i watched him this yeah. year three or four times he he's looked really good yeah yeah so um so Gaudreau was 6.75 for 6 um uh, one more, yeah. That, that's that's what that's what Randy in the chat. I could answer this draft question that's in the chat room at the end of the show. So just so okay, yeah, we'll get to know. that for sure. Remember that. Um, so I I think now I'm really starting to get the sense though, talking to people in Calgary, that Gaudreau is going to extend there and not going to be moved, which is a big, which is a big shift in their thinking. Um, that is, because a shift. he seemed like the natural guy to move when his because his numbers were diminishing. But this year he's back on like his. Well, you want to know? I'm going to tell you what a part of that is. The fact that the Flyers stink helps 
make that a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. If the Flyers were going to be good. Goudreau might have still had interest in going there. He's not as he's not going to have any interest in going there now. Now, what could? Yeah, be? I don't think so. I mean, I don't know with him. I'm not. Well, I still think. I still think that he's got a little bit of you know, like we like you saw what like. Well, even the Alex, Devils, the Devils still stink too. Yeah, but he wasn't the Devils guy. He's a Flyers guy. Alex Tuck, you know, like what we've seen. What we've seen in in Buffalo, there are some players that just really want to play. Yeah, in their home team. Alex Tuck's but I think Tuck wanted to play there more. Sorry. Yeah. Than Goudreau in Philly. But that's no, very possible. But in uh, Rand, you will Flamester would probably verify this. What could be at, you know, in the works when it comes to how you open up cap space to sign Kachuk and to re-sign Goudreau is you trade Sean Monahan because Sean Monahan is having yeah. another bad year. He's only got 18 yeah. points in 35 games. Uh, he's got the worst plus minus on the team. He's got another year at six point three million. And even though he's had two bad years in a row, every team is looking for centers. But you're not going to get a ton for him, and you're probably doing it only to clear a cap space. That might be. They're going to lose on that deal. I just think um, yeah. he's not fitting in with Sutter. I think yeah. you can't. He's not a great defensive player. He never was. Nope. But you could get a lot more offense out of him somewhere else. You can. Yeah, and and their answer probably internally is, you know, you'd have Elias Lindholm and Coleman as your one-two up the middle, and yeah, right. you know, and you and you strengthen strengthened on the wings, and that that works that way. So yeah, so I mean, it's something to watch. We're gonna keep an eye on it for sure. But I think that. Um... I think that I think we could see him return, and I do think I do think that Matthew Kachuk could be. I mean, I really have heard. It's funny how there are some people in St. Louis that you talk to that feel it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to be a Blue soon, and and that those are some of those people are like guys who cover the team on a daily basis, you know, like not and you know, it, it's really like a couple of newspaper writers I know down there, same kind of thing. So it's kind of crazy, you know, really, really, really crazy. Well, there's, so there's two reasons I think for that. The one thing <laughs> I I do want to mention is um, the fact that. Connor Zary's getting close. Another yeah, center yeah. is a reason is a reason they could do this. The other thing is Keith Kachuk is probably telling them that Keith Kachuk yeah. still with the organization. That's True. why they're getting this information. True. I spoke True. to Keith Kachuk when he was at the Stanley Cup. So come on. Yeah, and Keith Keith is not like tight lipped. Has never. He's been not afraid to talk. No, he's never no. been. Even when he was a player, I remember one of my one of my favorite moments ever doing this was when Andy Strickland came to town with the Blues. My first year as as Eklund doing this thing, um, and he tells me that all that, that he tells me that Kachuk and and uh, Garen have to meet me. Like they have to meet you. They want to meet you. You've got to you got we got to come into the locker room. I got I they don't believe I know you. I was probably was stupid things like this, you know. So I go in there and and man, they both were they both love talking rumors. Oh my gosh, those guys are two guys that just they love discussing rumors, and that's why I thought when Garen became a GM, it was so pretty awesome because he, he loves he loves this game he loves the trade deadline these are guys who he does they want to know like they they wanted to know what was happening next for me what was that what was i what i know that I wasn't writing it was really funny they just were they were so fired up so yeah chuck has that is that is in keith chuck's world for sure so no question about it so russ we saved the uh ranger leaf talk till you got here before okay. we get to that though mike one quick thing yeah. i want to talk about the flyers and devils for a second because oh yeah i'm hearing more and more as the day goes on that we could see a change in both in both in one or both of the organizations very soon. Um, Flyers, of course, have lost nine in a row. Um, tonight they play Columbus, and you know if that's the With kind Jake of game. Check playing. 
if Warcheck is playing, okay. That is the kind of game He's that playing. you simply I'm, I'm not I'm not gonna debate it's over, Mike, with the flyers. Um, but um <laughs> today they play Columbus. The reality is, you know, this is a game that they absolutely have to win. Like there is no if they don't win, and last night was a game the Devils absolutely had to win and didn't. They lost to Arizona last yeah. night. Um, yeah, they had to win that. So when I when I heard this, you know, when I when I when I saw last night, and then I started immediately talking to Devil sources right afterwards. It's very apparent that Lindy Ruff is at the end of his rope here. Is that is that 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 James is anybody is shocked at this? No, I mean it's 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 really we, we have we said we, yeah. we said when Lindy was hired there that that yeah. was the wrong fit because you had a right. young team and. Yeah. We know yep. from we know from Lindy from Dallas from Buffalo he works better with veteran players. Yeah, yeah, and there does seem to be a, 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 a we have seemed to reach a time when the Lindy Ruffs and the Elaine Vinos and the Ken Hitchcocks don't work anymore. <laughs> I mean, it it feels as if you know this is a young man's game. It's like that that there's a new style of coaching, that there's a new style of player, and that the player responds to a different style of coaching than that, and it's just. You know, Lindy Ruff, well, who Bill I've Peters talk- found out, yeah, Bill Peters found out you can't kick players on the bench anymore. I mean, right, yeah, you can't do that. I mean, you know, we have seen these great coaches like Paul Maurice or people like these guys who are, you know, who have been out there forever, um, fail this year, and, and a lot of them, and and in 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 wow. epic ways, like you know, in in big proportions too, like Maurice. Yeah, but Maurice. in Maurice's in Maurice's case, he was burned out. I mean, he he, he was he said, he said it in the in the in the post. Uh, uh, res- resignation media conference. Yeah, no, he did, and yeah, I respected that, Mike. But at the same he's time, he's a smart guy. Yeah, he's a smart guy, and I don't think the game has passed him by. I would say that. Listen, I mean, I, I, I think am, there's systematic problems in Winnipeg. I still think that. I think there's systematic problems with Paul Maurice, and I and and just just from talking to players who played for him, there are players. That absolutely can't stand it. like like to a level well, to yeah, a level no that, question. That's why when yeah. we, we saw that's why when yeah. his when um his last ally left right. off of injury, yeah, he was gone because yeah, yeah there were definitely guys that got tired of him. He is he is not like Wheeler's he, was he does not play like, fair. A lot of players will tell you. Like he is not the kind of coach that he's just not a player's coach, even though he, he acts like it to a degree. He, he's a media he's a media friendly coach that's not a player friendly coach which is rare usually like usually that combination yeah that's true usually that combination like you know like you see in Tampa or situations like with Cooper where guys are media friendly and they're also player friendly he was two different he was one person in the media and he was definitely a different person to the players so well that's how um, Elaine Vigneault is that way too Elaine Vigneault is very much that way and Michelle Terry is that way so these guys he are all he loves everybody come on yeah right so <laughs> the the reality here you know is that you know these Maurice I although I admired his honesty and his in his leaving I just I really did not feel bad for him you know just from what I'd heard he what the stuff I'd heard him do to players over the years just okay I just didn't feel bad for him I don't so anyway <clears throat> he might be back in New Jersey, as I say this, that's and that's one of the names I heard today is Paul Maurice in New Jersey. I could see it. I would be surprised. Sorry, I'd be surprised. <laughs> I'm all choked up by this. Listen, I'd be surprised we, we know if- Josh Harris looks for names. He does, and he has name recognition. He does. He does. Um, Maurice definitely. 
Bad people job. are there are there is an infatuation with Paul Maurice around the league. Um, Keep dreaming, Mike. I mean, don't you think there's an infatuation with Paul Maurice around the league? There's a there's a something like people really. No, I think he's earned a lot of it, Eck. I mean. There, there was a time when Winnipeg was a definite cut contender, and it just didn't happen. But it hasn't. Uh, he's happened. been a very competent coach. He's had, been a had, very competent coach, though. Had Vancouver not hired Boudreaux, you would have heard the rumors of Maurice in Vancouver yes. because of Rutherford. Because Rutherford has hired him what five thousand times, so it probably would have happened. Well, but sometimes that yeah. means that he's that he's that he knows what he's, he knows what not to do too. Like there's, I mean, listen, I, I don't mean to totally rip. Palmer's, but I just think that his time has passed, and I think New Jersey needs to look to somebody like I, Quinn. I, I don't think Paul. I think Maurice Dan Quinn. I think not Dan Quinn, but Quinn. I think Quinn would be a David good, Quinn. David, David Quinn, Quinn would, would be a good choice. Would be a good I, choice for New Jersey. I don't see this is the thing. I can't put Paul Maurice in the same category as Lindy Ruff. Paul Maurice is not a dinosaur. His his tactics are not dinosaur tactics. I think Lindy is got is sort of gotten there. He he was a great coach in his day, but I never I never grasp what new jersey was doing with bringing him in it didn't make sense as a hire and i really don't think lindy could talk a good game he's very right. engaging you know that right yeah so i mean yes the the, the david quinn's the jim montgomery's you know the, the, there's a younger yeah. wa younger wave of coaches the rocky thompson who you know yeah. opted out as an assistant coach this year because he wouldn't because uh, he was not going to get vaccinated there are there are a list of younger coaches I still uh, think Luke Richardson, you know, is the guy who deserves a shot. Like there's certain guys. Yeah, I think I think Luke Richardson will start to get back into it. I mentioned him a few weeks yeah. ago too. I think he's. I've heard a little things that he. He's might got get a back lot of respect it. through the league, and it's just like and, he does. And you know, and uh, Kevin Neen, you know, like who's who's been in in and out. But um, I I I think I think like a Claude Julian might get back in eventually. Yeah, I mean, he's he's coaching Canada, right? So he's going to be in the Olympics. Right. So yeah, but I think and that yeah, if he if he, we'll see what he does in the Olympics. Claude Julian, again, are these are is that era coach still effective in the NHL? And I'm trying to think of one that is right now. I mean, tell me one that tell me the one that is right now. Torts. Who? Torts. Torts was effective last year or the year before, like two years. Tortorella ago. is your example here. <laughs> That, then, then I, oh, then that's I, a bad example. Then I win, Mike. I throw it down. I, I just if that's if that's yes. the best you can come up with, I win because I, I mean, won. he's not. I mean, you, you want to say Barry Trotz, maybe, but no. I'm talking. Okay, I'm talking. Okay, I'm talking about coaches. Sutter, Sutter, Sutter in Calgary. Maybe I'm talking about coaches who are not who are not currently hired in terms of if you're going to fire your coach, who could you bring in? Torts is still an effective. People will hate him, but he's still an effective coach. Babcock. People will hate him, but he's still an effective coach. Now, you know, that, that, that that's will get everything you can get out of your team. Right. Okay. Exactly. But the question is, the question of, of that is this, this is the thing, like, and I wish I could come up with a really good metaphor for it. One day some, I, I've, I've thought about this so many times right writing this article, but I can't quite get the metaphor straight, but there's something with towards that, like he gets so much out of your team, but if your team isn't ready to win the Stanley cup, he will kill your team eventually. Right. Like, it's like, and you know what it is? Like, there was that, um, there was that song, Don't Pay the Ferryman. Torts no. is the ferryman, <laughs> Chris, to, Chris to Berg, Thank you. I get that, right? But he's the ferryman, but he's he is the, the ferryman. ferryman, like that's it. And yeah, if and you pay and, the price, you might, you might get good results, but no, once no, you no, do pay them, eventually it, you get you have to pay for it too. You're like, making a deal with the devil, like, and it's like, and it's, 
Jesus. And your and your defensemen are going to lose. You just knock a year off their careers, like because like, oh, because yeah. of all this. Maybe two. Maybe it's two. Like, yeah. It's like putting your army in in uh, in the in the command of General Patton. He'll win you battles, but he'll also slap your soldiers around. This is what we had with Mike Keenan, right? Like Mike Keenan was the same thing. He would go into a place and he would definitely get your team turned around for a while, but he would leave with like insult the earth, you know, on his way out. Like he, it was. It's like, he, would, he would leave. So the grass would never grow again. You know, like that. Would, and I mean, Mike Keenan leaving the Rangers, leaving the Flyers, leaving the Blues. He would leave before. Oh, the he stick. left the Rangers in a much more spectacular way than anybody else. Yeah, he would leave before the parade. He put the Blues yeah. back a decade. I mean, that's just like the reality is, and he wasn't there for that long, but he did. He set them back a decade. And, and he you know, hated so, Gretzky. He, he hated, hated Gretzky. Him. So, I mean, the, the, the crazy thing. So so Keenan Yeti yet yes, he won a Stanley Cup, right? You know, he won a Stanley Cup. I know the feeling. <laughs> but if you don't win a Stanley Cup, man, I knew you were... I if know. you don't win a Stanley Cup with that, your team is going to suffer for a very long time in a very bad way. And you know, and that's that's why I think John Tortorella is not the not the, the best, maybe the best older school coach we have going right now is Sutter. Like maybe in, in Calgary. Like he is Handling, he's able to handle the young kids. Sutter just I mean, has, he's had a dip. In, they've had a dip in their season too. Let's be real. Yeah, they have, and and it, you know, Laviolette is older school too. But I would, I feel like he's not. I feel like he's on the. He's not quite like older school like Vino, or I feel like he's a little bit younger than those guys. You know, so it's like there's another. He's not a lot younger, but I, I get what you're saying. You know, what I mean, it feels like he's the beginning of the new school of coaches in a way he's like the oldest of the yeah. new new breed um you know which cooper's the best at but love you know laviolette's like the first of that group um there are other there are others too of course but i'll tell you who i think's going to get back in it Eck, is yeah. and he's done a good job in russia is bob hartley i think hartley has stayed yes. up with the game where someone like keenan you know he's just too old it's passed him by and nobody trusts him but hartley still has a pretty good rep yeah yeah he does he does he does, and and Hartley, and, and I can see that too. I, I, and there's a lot of Bob Hartley support around the NHL. People like him. Like he's he's he is definitely oh, one sure. of those guys. He's one of those guys that, as opposed to Maurice, that he's one of those guys that really no one has a bad word to say about Bob Hartley. And I think that no. that you know that's strong. So he's still alive in Russia all these years. That's a good sign, which is incredible. You know, Dave King, like another one, right? Like who? Um, but you know, he's old. So, but the reality is like. So, so we're looking at the Devils and the Flyers, perhaps on the verge of making a coaching change. Um, the Flyers you know, this season, they're not making yes, a coaching this season. change. No. no way. Nobody in I the disagree. right mind is taking over the Flyers. Again, right? that's totally wrong, Mike. Um, <laughs> no, no, I, I'm not going to start. Absolutely 100%. I will say this. Not right now. I just was on. No, no, but I was, I was just on serious, and we can't talk about right mind and talk about the Flyers. So forget yes. right mind. I get that part, but Eck, I don't think they're going to expend any more resources right. on a coach. I don't think they're admitting they're out of it, but I don't think you're going to spend any more resources on a coach. That's right. the issue. Exactly. It depends, and if they don't, if they don't, then you know the Flyers, as those who grew up with them, like me. Are, de are dead. Well, this like, isn't Ed, this isn't Ed Snyder's Flyers anymore. No, but it's not not even not even okay. Ed Snyder's Flyers. We're talking about like you well, know, but other... all right. Here's what I said on SiriusX, and I'm going to get your yeah. opinion on this. Yeah, but this is where I think is happening. Dave Scott 
loves the old Flyers. So the fact that Bob Clark mouthed off, that took the heat off of Fletcher. We talked all about that. But then remember, Joe Watson was on Twitter a couple days ago, and he's basically like, get rid of every defenseman except yeah. for Ristolainen. Why did he say that? Because Ristolainen is the toughest. They've got to get yeah. rid of these guys, and Bill Barber included, out of the management scope. They're older guys with old school feelings, and it doesn't work anymore. That culture is dead with the Flyers, but I don't think it's dead with the owner because the owner likes those guys. Right, no, there's I, two I, different I, Flyers, Russ. There's two well, different I, Flyers. I, I, need, okay? I need to know what Ed Van Imp thinks, Russ. The seventies Flyers are like the pro that you know the seventies Flyers, the Broad Street Bullies. That culture is dead, um, and 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 those guys are too old to be going to for advice. And they're and they and they also just they because they have a very romanticized version of what happened to them. I mean, the, as much I'm a Flyers fan, and without Bernie Perrant, there are no Stanley Cups. So let's just like put that's it true. on the line. You know what I mean? No, that's I'm, true. And, and I'm a Flyers fan, who, as you know. I so, hated I hated Bernie Perrant because he was the best in the game. But he, he enabled them. He enabled them to play this ridiculous style. He enabled them to take all these yes. penalties. He enabled them to like, and, and because Bernie was that good, you know, he was that good. And the reality is, he, he was, was just. He's one of, in my opinion, one of the top ten goalies of all time. So, yeah, I agree. You know, but at the so, but at the end of the day, that Flyers is dead. But the '80s Flyers, um, Tim Kerr, Brian is, Prop. is Tim Kerr, Brian Prop, and and Dave Poulin and Rick Tockett. Those guys are not dead, and that's why I do believe that Tockett is the answer. And I think, and and I do know that it, Scott does like. Like you say, there are different people at Comcast, and I talk to a bunch of different people at Comcast because they have a lot of connections. Yes. In the, there's no question and, Scott likes the old guys, though, right? No, he loves the old guys, that. and I and he's no question. I think that he's pushing for talking. and but yeah. you know the question is, that. you know, if Fletcher doesn't do it soon, Fletcher could be in trouble. I really feel that. I really feel that because if, if Tocket goes to New Jersey, look out. Like there's trouble, you know. And also remember, there's another okay, team. But let's with, bring um, this up realistically. Why, why would yeah. Fletcher not do it? He, he did everything Dave Scott wanted them to do over the summer. He's going to do what they say to keep his job. He will. He traditionally has like that. That has been, that has been Fletcher's downfall in Minnesota. He does what he's told to do. Um, and yes, but, but he Minnesota, like in Philly, he was given a lot of leeway to put himself into a pretty big hole before that. And now that now that now that he's in this big hole that he's in, you know, he will do what he's told to do to survive. He's a survival coach for sure. He's a survival GM for sure. Um, yes. You know, and but you know, I could see you know the ex you know the ex. Uh, but there's gosh, the ex LA Kings GM, which I can't think of his name right now. Dean Lombardi. Yeah, I could see Lombardi. Yeah. And Tockett. I could see that. I could see that as a. I could see that as a way the Flyers go. Um, I don't think. I, I don't want to know the right because I was I talked to somebody at Comcast who told me how many calls and letters and, and emails and I mean not letters emails calls and emails they're getting about Rick Tockett and it's just astonishing how much the, the Listen, but the, I mean again I imagine that's true yeah but how many did they get from the Kate Smith thing too but if they were winning people would have given would have forgiven the Kate Smith statue thing. They're not winning, so that's why they're getting all these. Well, the Kate letters Smith thing, yeah, that's a, that Kate Smith thing was like a political thing, and for, and for sure no, wrong. But this is like these are no, fans. This is, this is the team sucks, Russ. This is a different thing. This is the actual. But you don't team. hire a coach, but you don't hire a coach based on what the fans want. You right. don't do that. Yeah. No, but you don't. You don't do that. But you do have a certain amount of you know. And I hate that I'm on this, but I'll tell you another team. 
that Taka could end up this, on is Flyers. By the way, let's go with this. Does Taka seem like he's in a rush to coach the Flyers? Right. It doesn't seem that way well, to me. This, this has been my, this is my point. The point the point I'm making. You can't is, say everything about that I know about that. Right, but okay. The point I'm making about Taka is okay. He's got a contract with who? TNT, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. ESPN, ESPN, oh, but it's, ESPN. it's he's ESPN. doing the TNT stuff. Right, I mean, I'm sure he's got an out in that, and in case he wants to coach someplace else. Oh, no, question, they all do. Of course. But, but okay, why right now when this is a flaming, it's a tire fire. Let's just say that. Why would you come in? You can come in at the at the beginning of next year with a clean slate, rather than come in and 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 inherit a team that's a cluster F right now. Why would you want to do it? Plus, because from the Flyers' perspective, from the Flyers, you're not a you're not a wimp, man. It's like it's like talking being a wimp. It's like Tockett isn't Tockett isn't afraid of. Do you think Tockett's afraid of that? Like Tockett is not the guy who's going to come in and be like, oh, the team sucks. I don't want to take over a team that sucks. Tockett doesn't think that way. Like like you have an outlet because. He should fear it because this roster is playing exactly the same for two completely different coaches right now. He coached the Arizona Coyotes, Russ. I mean, it's yeah, like right, and the Flyers are playing like the Coyotes. So why they would you are, want that again? They have more talent than they had on the Coyotes. I mean, Arizona, he's got talent here that he can do something with. Oh, the Arizona Coyotes with no expectations. He comes in, correct? Pressures on immediately. So why not? Why not wait until after they potentially trade Giroux, after they potentially trade Ristolain? Yeah, why would he come in before all that? Because here's the thing. Tockett is the kind of coach who we all know is a pretty good coach. He's a, he's got talent. He's 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 definitely one of those guys that people are going to talk yeah, to. nobody's saying he doesn't. He's going to yeah. be interviewed as a coach. But there will be a point at which Tockett will get an offer from somebody else. And, so what? And no, to him – there, there are, there. You know, just like players want to play certain places, coaches want to coach certain places. And if, if that place is New Jersey, um, can you imagine the reaction from Flyers fans if, 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 if Mike really, Dow is still coaching this team and what, talking like to them? Pittsburgh, I don't yeah. think it's going to be that great of a reaction. Do you really think that that? Oh New no, Jersey, it is. It's you really think that New Jersey, Jersey is going to offer more money to Rick Tockett than the Flyers will? It's not a matter of money, no. Mike. It's a matter of will do the Flyers offer Tockett a job? Like it's a matter of like. And and as a coach, Tockett, although we think he was a good coach, coaches have to keep coaching. Like the longer he's not hired, the worse it gets for him. Like he's got to keep coaching. It's, he can sit there and say, "I'm making a conscious." He's not making a conscious decision to be an analyst. That's it's not what he's doing. Year. It's one year. But that's yeah. not what he's doing. And it's like just like for the same reason we saw Tortorella get in and out of that job. When they get a chance to coach, they coach. No matter how bad the team is, they coach because there's only 32 NHL head coaching jobs. And and if one of them is a team that you really consider, like, you know, Taka considers himself a flyer and a penguin through and through, right? That's what he does. Uh, the mm-hmm. Penguins aren't going to hire a coach because they've got the best coach oh. in the league. Well, so, you know, so, the, so Taka, you know, or, you know, I think the coach of the year this year, at least. So the reality is. No, no, I think he's, I think you're probably right. Yeah. And if you, if the Flyers are going to suck, if they're gonna if they're gonna be like this and and not and and be and the fans are gonna be apathetic in a way that I haven't seen since like the year that you know they traded Forsberg to the Predators. Um, if they trade Giroux, you're talking about a situation where apathy will be unbelievable in the city, and the only excitement you can get is probably from doing something like this. Right, but um, again, my my point is Ek, from from the perspective of a the coach and the organization this year. 
I'm not saying it's over that they tank, but I'm saying it's over because they've dug themselves such a hole. No, it, it, it's it's over, Mike. There's no question that it's over. Let's let's just throw that but, out of the window. But, but, it doesn't matter but, that it's over. It, there's no people who compare Hextall to Tocket. It's just Hextall was here. But there's and, no there's no turning this around this year. There so, is no turning around this year, but there is also no point in not starting to turn things around, not yeah, starting, starting to play the play better hockey, not starting start, to build a better culture. Start Why, I'll start okay, but can I say something Please. that's relevant? <laughs> it's going to be hard for them to make the playoffs next year. It is. It is. And, start, uh, this is this a isn't just a one-year thing. It's start. not a just a one-year thing. So, therefore, start. you start this process of getting a playing the right way as soon as possible. You start, start this process of getting the coaches, players to respect the coach as soon as possible. Start like, the turnaround on April 30th, the day after the regular season when you fire. Yeah, I think Tockett stays away from the Giroux stuff because if they really did trade Giroux, why it, would he want to be the coach when that happens and have to talk about it? It taints him is what it is. It, 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 if, yes. if he's offered the job, I 150% guarantee you he takes it. It, it, whether Giroux, whether they've whether they've lost twenty games in a row, whether they've they traded Giroux, and we'll see if they put those odds up on the board. <laughs> I'm telling you, a player like a player with a passion for a team like him, who's not who, who wants to come back to a city like this, that that will happen. And and to, to a fan base who absolutely is also hitting him up on Twitter all the time, like there's things. This yeah. is this is not this is this is this Hextall to Pittsburgh is your GM that you had here that you didn't necessarily like going to play, going to the Penguins is one thing. This talk, it's never been here. It's a different thing to bring talk. If talk, it ends up in New Jersey when he could have been here. If talk, comes here and fails fine. But if they don't give talk a chance here and they let him go to New Jersey where he could really, that devil's team has the possibility of succeeding in the next couple of years. What and if, he could really become Tuckett's that. It's the same as Bill Barber was as a coach. Or oh, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so at all. The difference, Tockett, people have way more respect for Tockett than they had for Bill Barber. Just okay. because, because of the way, uh, that, that, nothing against Bill Barber, but you know, he was a he was a soft player. Yeah, no, but he, he wasn't was, a good coach. Like we know that he wasn't a good coach. Um, the, the, okay, so there is a I'm, chance Drew gets traded. Do, we'll, we'll we got to talk question. Leafs Rangers. We, do. we will talk Leafs Rangers. I'm sorry, but this 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 I do think I just think that, the reason I bring this up is I think that something's going to happen with New Jersey quickly, and I think that that could very much play into what happens with the Flyers quickly. Yeah, um, well, I, 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 I don't know. There's no connection between Tom Fitzgerald and Tockett. So I, Tom Fitz, Tom Fitzgerald, and mm-hmm. and, and you know, who's a GM of the of the Devils. Yeah, I, I could see, you know, I, I could see a Quinn. I could see because he's a he's somebody who would probably work with a with a a younger team. I could see that yes. for sure. But Tockett, it does it doesn't doesn't add up. He's, he's, Tockett is considered a good coach who can get something from a something out of nothing to, he, it, without without taking years off your players' lives. Like that that's the difference, you know. Like, like where's the Leafs do? talk on this show? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about. That. I'm anxious to talk about the Leafs. All right, let's talk about the Leafs. Go up three one against the Rangers last night. Things are flying. Things are going well, and then we see we once again see why the Rangers are going to win the Stanley Cup, as I've said so many times. They come. They they just dominate the rest of the game. Russ, thoughts. Okay, so my initial thoughts were, and I told Mike this when it was a three-two game. I thought the Leafs were in trouble, and I'll tell you why. I I felt like Adam Fox was starting to get more of a grip on the game. I also felt like 
Um, Shesterkin had given up too many rebounds early, and I've watched him in games where he can get that under control. Like, for whatever reason, if he's not locked in early, he will give up some rebounds, and I think the Leafs took full advantage of all of that, Mm -hmm. Um, Michael Bunting especially. Um, And so that was a good part of the game. It definitely hurt the Leafs when the goal Mm -hmm. came off the board for Matthews, but it was a kicking motion, so that is the way it is. But really, Shesterkin – go ahead. No, I was just going to say – and this is what's so effed up about the NHL because at the beginning of the year, that was a goal because they remember they, they said, well, if it's not mm. like, you no, know, I've seen it. And I saw it in three or four games where a yeah. player turned the, turned the, turned the skate and, and motioned it and they called it a goal. And now all of a sudden they call it a no goal. They should have, they should have called it a goal in the first place. That was, I thought it was a kicking motion. I thought there was no way it was going to be counted a goal. It That's a good a point. Goal. No, you have a, you're right about that. Yeah. I, but, I, I think that it, I don't think, I, I think that this, this rule has always been very confusing and I don't think it's changed from the beginning of the year till now. I think yes. that what we have is we see a cyclical thing of this rule. Like this rule goes in cyclical ways. I mean, at the end of the day, walking is a kicking motion you know so the idea yeah, of a kick but here's my it just is here's my biggest pet peeve of the game and i just heard shane o'brien say it on sirius xm and that is the belief that the leafs lost this game it was theirs for the taking and gave it to the rangers <laughs> is always what comes out of toronto when they yeah. have a lead and lose it sometimes the other team fights back and wins for a reason yeah. like the rangers are playing hot right now mm-hmm. chris Kreider, that goal by chris Kreider is one of the best goals he scored all year and that really fired him up well yes okay. the leafs made mistakes there's no question but it's not always about the Leafs screwing up <laughs> as to oh, why no. they lose a game like okay. this it's no. not okay did the yeah. Rangers deserve to win that game? For sure. Did the, are the did the Rangers play well? Yes. The Leafs, for the fourth time in five games during this road trip, was up multiple goals. What and I wrote to, I wrote today in my piece in, in Hockey Buzz. Yeah. That since December the first, since that hot month that they won everything, they've gone back to that fast and loose yeah. offensive mentality for, you know happy go lucky you know screw the screw the defense let's just outscore the team 6 to yes. 5 you're right and, and the problem is is that you know Jack Campbell needs a team that plays uh, a, a solid defensive game in front of him. He's a good goaltender. I don't think he's a great goaltender. And they need they need a, they need the forwards to help out what I consider an average defensive core. And last night against the Rangers, you had Jake Muzzin out with a concussion, Justin Hall in in quarantine in Arizona. You had Timothy. Lillegren. But he stinks anyhow, so that doesn't matter. Let me finish. Yeah, he's probably going to trade. Yeah, though. Timothy Lilligren and 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 Rasmus Sandin, who I think are two good young players playing the, the number three and number four slot, which they're not ready for. You right. had you, you play, had uh, Brody and, and Riley uh, playing 25 minutes, and you had potentially one of the worst bottom pairings in the friggin' NHL with Alex Biega and Travis Dermott, who were on the ice for three goals last night. And, and like Yeah, Gallant took advantage of that, no question Gallant, about it. Gallant waited until Riley and Brody got off the ice, and then he put in his top, put in his top two lines. My my whole point on this is, and this has been my mantra for three or four years, until this until this team gets a t- another top four defenseman to play with Muzzin along with Brody and Riley, they will go nowhere. And if I hear any rumor about the Leafs going after a forward, you're a friggin' idiot. <laughs> it's not the case. 
Not happening. Look, I I agree they could use that defenseman, and it will be hard to get. And yeah. Mike and I talked about this off air. It's yeah. going to be hard yeah. to get. It is hard um, not impossible. Look, the Ryan Reeves goals were were fortuitous. They but they left him alone in the crease the one time. That's yeah. on them. That's yeah. you know the, you can't leave even Ryan Reeves alone. He's got a good shot. Lily so gave up those the on on the Adam Fox goal. Yeah. Yes. But the other thing is, and again, there's going to be a point where people start looking at Sheldon Keefe. He's saying the right things, but the players are not doing the right things. Yeah. Well, and, and if he and goes through yesterday, Russ, and he's yeah. taken a little bit of criticism for this. Um, some people thought he went a little over the top by saying that the team is soft and was playing, you know, irresponsible defensively. They were. I'm sorry. You call a spade a spade. It, it, no, it, he's right, he but he was also outcoached. He was also outcoached by Galat in a huge he way. He was outcoached. There's no question. Well, he's at a, he was at a disadvantage, like I said, because he was playing with basically, uh, you know, I'd say three NHL defensemen, one borderline, and two guys who shouldn't be in the league. So, but this year, that's that's always the case, and and in, in different situations, right? And and that's and why we're seeing play goal for coaching Mitch this year matters more than has ever mattered before. Like coaching matters more than Mitch has ever Marner mattered. got a power play goal first time in 114 games. Yeah, yeah, I know that that that's see wow. to me the problem that's with an Toronto unbelievable stat is an incredible stat. The the problem with the Leafs and I watched them because they're one of my favorite teams, honestly, and you know they really are. We talk about them a lot here, so maybe I've just grown to like them, but I follow them closely. Why do they? They are not one of your favorite teams. No, they honestly Can are. Have honest? you not noticed? Have you yes. not noticed? Wait. Okay, I'm going to go through a list. Are, do you like them more than the Flyers? No. Okay, do you like them more than Nashville? No. Okay, I still bet they're like fourth or fifth on your list. That's my that's, guess. That's one of my favorite teams. If you're in the top five, you're one of my favorite teams. I think they are uh, top five. I think that they're behind Nashville, Philly, and Montreal probably. But all right, Montreal and, and, and Florida, yeah. I would say right now because I'm just I'm really like watching Florida, but. But, you know, that there's always a couple teams in there. But at the same time, you know, the thing is this. Like, that that team's mentally is just not there yet. And when you watch this game, you get really frustrated by the fact that you say they blow these leads, Mike. And what I get the sense of is that they still play with this nervous energy where they get a lead and they're like, phew, we have a lead, you know. And they're, they re, they relax because they're like they, – they, they, work, they work hard to get that lead. And then they're like – and then they, they feel like immense pressure come off them because we're we're playing well, we're winning the game. Oh, no, it's, they're not finishing I, the game. They're no, they're, I, they're they're I, stopping I, it at that point, I, and then I, other teams are taking advantage. I, I, I think what it is, Eck, is the fact that the team as currently constructed, really, unless there's a five man buy in on the uh, yeah. on on the ice, they're not capable of shutting down other teams. You know, they if you no, they're not right. That's true. I mean, they, oh yeah, they, there's no way. They, they're, they're, you're right. I mean that that's, and and they are not built to be a shutdown team though. They are built. They have yeah, they have but, all yeah. this firepower up front. They are built to outscore you. But the question is, but you know, when you outscore someone, you have to keep playing. Like if you get a three-one lead, you got to right. keep the pedal the pedal down because. Yeah, but, okay, but the, the the problem in here is you can't continue. You know, I'll use the stratomatic example. You when you're up four to one, you can't play a three-three. You can't play wide open offense. Because that's what the other team wants. They want to trade offensive chances. I get that. Well, what about your just, fourth line, Mike? What happened to get getting points from that great fourth yeah, line? Yeah, and when you're the that's you, evaporated. But, 
but to stay with this day with Chad Mack, Mike, you're also not going into a two one or a one zero. You're you're going to like three two or a two two at least because what you're trying because you should be able to outplay anybody offensively. Well, in my, a, in, my, a, in a battle between like you have enough skill that you should be able to skate with and score with anybody. My my point is is that the teams that win like Pittsburgh, like Chicago, like L.A., and like Tampa, they can play two-way hockey. They can. They learned to shut it down, or they got the players that were capable of playing two-way hockey. You know, Tampa Bay lost to Columbus. Then they went out and got Coleman and got uh, and got uh, Barkley Goudreau. Right, and right. And they did. Yeah, and right. won a Stanley Cup because they could play dirty, snot-nosed hockey. I mean, you always have to be able to shut a team down. You always have to be able to keep that keep that one goal lead at the end of games. You ha- you're also not going to be able to stand the cup. That's for sure. I get that. But at the same time, the thing that Pittsburgh did when Pittsburgh wasn't never Pittsburgh's not a great shutdown team either. But when Pittsburgh had their success, it was because they made you start taking chances and they jumped on those. Like they jumped, they jumped all over that offensively. They jumped on like Pittsburgh has more two on ones and three on twos over the last several years than anybody in NHL history. That's the Penguins game. The Penguins are, like I've said many times are at their best, a counter attack team with a a great offense and they love to counter you. And you know, the, the Leafs do not seem to know how to counter attack. Like they don't, they, they seem to just, they either attack or they play bad defense. No, but, but okay. But, you don't want to counterattack when you're up for one. You want you to absolutely shut it do down. because the other other teams are taking chances when you're up for one, and that gives you with your skill all kinds of opportunities for breaks the other way. You have to still keep scoring I goals. A, I have another Leafs point that was there at the beginning of the year and it hasn't gone away. Okay. So right now, Kale McCarr has five entire Leafs defense. Yeah, the Leafs defense does not score. They don't score. They don't. And I don't know. And Mike has to tell me, is that a function of Kyle Dubas or is that a function of Sheldon Keefe? Because it's one of them is at fault. Well, I mean, their top defenseman is scoring very well. Morgan Riley's got 30. Right, that's one guy. Right. Well, one and guy. Right. And TJ Brody is largely an offensive defenseman, too. He's yes. got three goals. No, no, but TJ Brody, his dynamic is to basically stay back while Morgan Riley jumps into the rush. He's he's the defensive. Okay, team. so then who but he is, shouldn't be, you Mike. Don't they have have any other offense. They, right, need, like, they need somebody else desperately who could score goals. Plus, there's so they need Brody defense. on the second line as the offensive defenseman, not with not being the defensive. Well, he's, I, he's, You're not getting points out of Muzzin. At that point right. in his career, that he's not good enough to do that anymore. Okay. So All right. I, that's a problem with the Leafs. They are not getting enough offense from their defense. They are not. Well, I mean, and, and one guy is not enough. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, they only use one one uh, defenseman on their power play. The Rasmus Sandin is the defenseman on the second power play, and you know mm-hmm. he's he's young, so he's not going to produce a ton of points right now. I mean, well, they, but even but five like, on five, it doesn't have to be on the power play. Like I'm not going to rip their power play. They like more scoring out of their defense, sure. But I I think right now their their problem is their defense has to concentrate on playing defense. And that's okay, but Mike, this is two years running now. This is two years running that it's been like this that they don't have much. When they everybody has to, when they went out and got a defenseman who was offensive minded, it turned out to be a disaster because his name was Tyson Berry. 
you know, they, they, well, he was the doesn't mean you never yet. try to do that again. But they need they Correct. need defensemen. Right. Who can, they need defensemen who can play defense. Like I'm, I'm telling you, they're not going out. Right, but if you bring in another guy, let's just they're take not, this. Here's the hypothetical: if they get your top four guy and he no. plays more defense, if Morgan Riley doesn't have a good playoffs, you're getting nothing out of your entire defense for offense. They're not nothing. going out. They're not going out at the deadline and trading for John Klingberg. They're going out at the deadline. I'm that, not saying they should trade for Klingberg, no, but, I'm, but I'm saying that they had Chikrin. Chikrin would solve the problem. Well, sure. I mean, but you'd have to give up Nylander to get him or something. That somebody like I that. would like say like and even I like I mean, that. I mean, I know they need offense, but you know, I would even look at like a Justin Braun help help oh, the defensive. Oh my god! See, the, 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 Justin. Okay, Justin Braun is a bottom pairing guy on that team. He they need they need a top four defenseman like a Manson, like a Ristolainen to to, to play with Muzzin. And that, and then, and that improves their depth going down. Justin Braun replaces Zach Bogosian. It's not the answer. No, he's, he's better he, than Zach Bogosian. He's better. He's more. He's, I, mean, he he's, I had this argument with my Zach Bogosian. I'm saying too, like, he replaces Zach Bogosian. And he blocks shots, a lot of them. Blocks Good. a lot of shots. He, he helps. He plays well with, like, he could be with Morgan Riley. Like, he, that's, oh. a situ- that, that's the kind of, no, that's the kind of player you need to play. Who's, he's a smart guy who can, who can pick up for guys. You don't need Brody. Who's not the greatest defensive defenseman playing that role? You Act know, like that doesn't make any sense. Act, the the honestly, the pair the pairing of Riley and Brody that's not broken. Riley Brody has been a has been the best compliment to Morgan Riley since Morgan Riley came to the NHL. Oh, for sure, for sure. It's a great, but it's a great that's not saying much either, Mike. You know, like yeah, no, Morgan Riley has not had many good compliments there. Well, I mean, no, there are better players out there. That play I'm, that saying, I'm saying, I'm saying, he's a he's a He's a very good defenseman, and him and Riley is, is not the problem. The problem is you've got Justin Hall on your second pairing, which is not a solution. Muzzin is not getting any younger. You've you know you got young defensemen who I think are better suited to play bottom pairing minutes right now. You need a top four defenseman, and it doesn't mean going and just because Justin Braun is not a top four defenseman in on any team. But he could play the part. But my point is he also is. he's only two points. He's only two points behind TJ Brody for yeah. points. That's how bad TJ Brody is offensively these days. No, Russ, that's not his role. His no, role is it used to be back. his it used to but be not his game. Anymore. Not anymore. So you're gonna basically tell me so yeah, why but, isn't it hold on, why isn't it his role? It's because of the coach then. Yeah. No, it's because they want Morgan Riley to activate offensively. They don't want – you know, TJ. Who's Hall, they? It's the coach. The coach wants that. Yes. There's a lot of players that could activate Morgan Riley offensively. Right. right. Doesn't have to be one of your better offensive players. But Brody is not one of their better offensive players. Is But that's like a chicken or egg thing, Mike. Like, is he not one of the better offensive players because of where he's playing now or because he's playing no, not he, better he, offensively? They brought him in to play with Riley, and that pairing has been great. So why mess up something that's working? The problem is, is that your second pairing is not working because well, that's why. Because you you're trying to make. Here's why. I'll give you a reason why. Because you're trying to make the whole group better. Yeah. It's not about maintaining that really good first pairing. And it's Russ, about making the whole group better. And Russ, yeah. they don't have anybody to play with Riley if they put Brody with Muzzin. They tried that. It didn't work. You can get, but you, but I think you can get you can get the guy who can play with Riley. I think you can get that guy. I agree with that. Well, you probably I mean, can get that guy my, in my, just that role. 
my I mean, my suggestion was was that, you know, because Brody played with Giordano in uh, in Calgary for years, that the Leafs could be in on Giordano. He's a Toronto native. He's a rental yeah, guy. Yeah. Yeah. Now that that would that would make sense because then you know Riley would have to move to the right side to play with Muzzin, but that's you know you probably could ask him to do that for a short term thing. But the problem is is that you have to get a top four defenseman, and Russ is right; it's not going to be easy. But it's not Justin Braun, it's not Colin Miller. But you don't need a top four defenseman to play with with Riley, even though he's playing that's, top four that's, minutes. That's true. Yes, you do. I think you do. No, because I've seen you've seen it all around the league. You've seen it for years that if you get the right guy, like like who was who was it that played with Pronger back? Matt Carl, right? Matt Car- Pronger, Matt mm-hmm. Carl wasn't a top four defenseman, but he played with he played Yaro top Spachek. four. Yeah, Yarrow Spachek played with him at Edmonton. Yeah, well, great, but played, but even, but but those guys, if you get the right guy, this who's smart and knows how to cover for a guy who's taking ch- offensive chances, which is what Justin Broad is and what he's done in Philly, actually pretty well. I do have to get ready for the Flyers game. I was just going to mention yeah. it to the chat room. Um, for me, Shane Wright's still number one. Miro is a very good yeah. player. They're asking about the Russian. The issue with him is, and I got this straight from a, a great source, is he's not playing in the KHL because he's not committing to a full all-round two-way game. Yeah. And that's very Kratzoff-like, and so that's yeah. a little bit of a worry right now. Yeah. He's yeah. got great offense. There's no question. I mean, we'll we'll get into way more of this. It's a great, like, really good discussion. It's really interesting. I think we're going to solve the problems here eventually for the Leafs. I think eventually we'll all figure it out. We might solve the problems, but the Leafs might not. Well, higher. The last thing I'll say about the Leafs, I feel like there's no connection between the defense and offense at all. When I watched that game last night, the defense, it's not like they're they're Whatever the opposite of playing a five-man unit is, they're doing that. They're playing a three. (laughs) Go ahead, Russ. But do you think that's true? All right. All right. See you later, guys. Take care, Russ. My God. You don't agree with that, Mike? No. All right. The, 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 their problems have been blue line related for years. Yeah, but that comes from not playing as a five man unit. The five man units. Well, you okay? For you to allow them the, the, their offensive weapons to perform at the level that they can, you have to have a defense that can allow them to do that. They have an average defense and above average offense, and when the offense goes out and tries to score, and the defense is back there, the defense isn't good enough to cover for them. They need to be good enough. You know, Jake Gardner, there's Funky. There, there, there's, there's, the, there's the name. Mr. Minus Five in the friggin' playoffs. Uh, where have you gone, Thomas Caverly? Um, All right. That's all the time we have for today. Um, but there you have it. Um, Byfield tonight, Thomas is saying in the chat room. Yes. Um, I'm really happy for the kid. I mean, I, in the game he got hurt, I watched that game, and I was like, this kid's coming along really well. I, I felt like he was just on the verge of doing something, and he gets terribly hurt. So let's let's see what happens with him back back and hopefully he doesn't play uh Hainsey. <laughs> Remember folks without the buzz it is just hockey. And um we appreciate it. We'll talk to you later. Talk to you all soon. Enjoy the games tonight. Lots of games, lots of games. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.